Hello, 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 Miami Dolphins fans. Hello to the people. This is Aaron the Brain, and this is another episode of the same old Dolphin Show, proudly part of the Dolphins Talk dot com podcast network make sure to go on over to dolphinstalk.com if you aren't there already and check out all the great stuff they've got articles podcasts all sorts of dolphins insight it truly is your one-stop shop for all things miami dolphins thank you for joining me on what Maybe the 4th of July, depending on when this gets released. I'm, I'm recording this on the Friday before the 4th. It is July 3rd. Uh, it's a rainy day in South Florida. I don't know that there will be many fireworks tomorrow or depending on when you're listening to this yesterday or today, but needless to say, or, or regardless of that, I should say, it's good to be here, and it's it's looking increasingly likely that we're going to get some sort of full 16-game NFL season happening this year. We're on the precipice of Major League Baseball starting up what is essentially going to be a sham season. The NBA trying to hit the conclusion of their season, resume it so that they can uh, get a playoffs in and have and crown some sort of champion. I think their season far more legit since you already had uh, a good portion of that season already played. But regardless of, of those two sports or what you feel about it, the fact is if baseball is happening and basketball is happening and those go off with relatively few hitches, there's no reason to believe that NFL football won't follow suit and do the same thing. So with that in mind, this episode will be my final episode of the NFL Draft Prospect Film Review series where I have watched virtually all of the 2019 film on every single one of the Miami Dolphins draft picks with the exception of Blake Ferguson because I, again I refuse to sit through games of footage on a long snapper I just I'm going to take their word for it I'm going to say the fact that we drafted a long snapper and didn't just uh, get one in free agency. I'm just going to take their word for it and say that he must have been one hell of a long snapper in college. So I'm sure the tape bears that out. And we'll see what happens with Blake Ferguson going forward. But the other 10 NFL draft picks by the Miami Dolphins. I have now watched the tape on all of them. And for my final episode today, I am looking at Jason Strobridge, the defensive end slash defensive tackle from North Carolina. I'm looking at the edge rusher from Boise State, Curtis Weaver. And then finally, I'm looking at the quarterback slash running back slash wide receiver, Malcolm Perry. So we're going to start with Jason Strobridge. First impressions. And by the way, if you if you haven't listened to the other episodes in this series where I've broken down 
these players. Basically, my objective is to be as objective as possible. And what I'm going to give you is my first impression of the player, the things that I see that are positive traits, then I'm going to give you some negative traits, I'm going to give you my overall assessment of the player, and then where I see that player fitting into the Miami Dolphins plans, both this season and beyond. So with Jason Strobridge, again, we're talking a defensive end slash defensive tackle from North Carolina, whom the Dolphins got in the fourth round. My first impression was that a little bit undersized when compared to the defensive linemen that the Dolphins have been targeting over the past couple of years. When you look at Christian Wilkins, when you look at Raquan Davis, Strobridge is a little on the smaller side compared to those guys. And so that was the, that was the first impression that I, that I had. And as far as positive traits, I thought that in spite of his size, he's strong enough to get a push and not be pushed around by offensive linemen. He's got a great motor. You're, you're not going to see him giving up on plays. In fact, what you'll see oftentimes is even uh, from a, a defensive end or defensive tackle position, you'll see him running over to the opposite edge to make a play. You'll see him running down running backs uh, from the back end, from behind. He's a guy that uh, just doesn't stop until the whistle is blown. That's something that has been a trend that I think you see uh, that that both Chris Greer and Brian Flores really emphasize that a lot. They emphasize players that are going to be giving great effort, and Jason Strobridge is no exception to that rule. Uh, one of the one of those weird things. I I don't know if this was just a coincidence, but the guy just seems to have a nose for the football. There were several plays over the course of the 2019 season where there were fumbles, and it seemed like almost every single time that a team fumbled the ball against North Carolina, it was Jason Strobridge coming up with the ball or right around the play. Uh, this guy just seems to have a knack. Maybe there's a, a film study aspect to it, a headiness about him that he just seems to be aware of where the ball is, particularly when it comes loose. And let's face it, turnovers play a huge factor in winning and losing football games. So if you've got a guy that can, that has a knack for coming up with turnovers, uh, you can't really overstate the importance of that. So he's got a nose for the football. Also his versatility. He lines up all over the defensive line. Uh, North Carolina used a very similar defensive, you know, defensive formations than the Dolphins, that the Dolphins did last year. Uh, you'll see him lined up oftentimes as an end in a three man in a three-man line, you will occasionally see in a four-man line him lined up outside. You'll also see him inside in a four-man line. And very rarely, but occasionally, he also did line up on the nose. It basically lined up all over the defensive line. Now, as for the negatives, like I said, he is a bit undersized, and he also does not have a great array of pass rush skills. That's that's the weakest part of his game. He is not going to be a prolific sack guy at the next level. He's just, he he's not a great pass rusher. At times when pass rushing, he's going to lower his head 
or at least he did in college, and that's something that he's going to need to work on because when you lower your head, uh, you're you're unable to see what's going on. And what happened at times is when he was tasked with going with rushing the passer, and he lowered his head. Well, one sometimes he would lean too forward, and he would end up on the ground. And and two, uh, occasionally time uh, it made him susceptible to to draws and and counters where he just simply didn't see the play coming because his head was down and this happened pretty much exclusively when he was going after the passer as a as a run stopper he he seemed wet, much much more adept at keeping his head up and being aware of everything but i think maybe in overcompensating for a lack of burst or a great array of passing of pass rushing skills you'll see him sometimes you know over lean get a get get a ahead of himself over his knees and and really lose leverage and become ineffective in that way so overall with Jason Strobridge I do think he's a bit of a tweener that probably won't excel at any one position or in any one role but he does show the strength effort tackling ability and awareness to make him a serviceable piece to a defensive line rotation so long as he isn't expected to rack up sacks or pressures as long as you're not asking this guy to be a pass rusher I think he'll be effective in a rotational role so where does he fit with the Miami Dolphins I think he should fit into an interior defensive line rotation behind uh, Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, and Raekwon Davis. Uh, of course, Raekwon Davis also a rookie taken in this draft. So there's also there's always the potential that one of them gets hurt. It's potential that uh, Strobridge just outplays Davis in in training camp and in the preseason, and he could end up earning himself a starting spot uh, as the third def- as the third. Uh, defensive end in like a three-man front or potentially as uh, the third defensive tackle in uh, in even man fronts. I think he'll most likely see his work as a 3-4 end on those bare fronts where you're playing basically three defensive linemen, three bigger defensive linemen, basically three defensive tackles as your, as your line. I think in that case, I think you've definitely got Christian Wilkins on one side. You got Devon Godshaw in the middle. And I think what they're hoping is Raekwon Davis will be that third guy and Jason Strobridge kind of gets into the mix. But I could also see him be being used as a run stopping end on even man fronts lined up in a five or occasionally in a seven technique outside the tackle or inside the tight end in the C gap could even be used inside on even fronts in more of a two or two I technique though this probably wouldn't be a strength of his again I think probably undersized to be a run stop run stuffing defensive tackle at the next level and lacks the the pass rushing ability or the explosiveness to really be an effective pass rushing defensive tackle so I think what you're really going to see him most uh used most as is as a defensive end and I think mostly as a as a backup uh on three four defensive ends and occasionally in a, in an even man front uh when we're not 
putting our speed rushers on the outside or as a backup to both Shaq Lawson and uh, Emmanuel Ogba, two big-time free agents signed this offseason. So basically where I see him fitting in, I see him being a contributor. I don't see him being a guy that that plays a ton, but I see him being a guy that can kind of do everything in relief uh, and on run stuff as far as, uh, you know, run rushing down short yardage uh i think specific fronts that are going to be geared towards that i think that's where jason strobridge is going to excel and he's definitely an extra body uh to have there in a in an area where i think coming into this uh off season the dolphins were a little bit thin we've addressed the defensive line a lot this offseason, but there are still major question marks there and having another good contributing body, even if it's not a huge upside guy, I think is definitely a plus to have on the roster. So that's Jason Strobridge. The next Dolphins pick, the Dolphins uh, traded up to get Curtis Weaver, and this was one of the most intriguing picks, if not the most intriguing pick of the entire draft by the Miami Dolphins, because from a production aspect, this guy was not supposed to to drop this far. This guy was projected to be potentially a second round pick or a third round pick. And then he just kept falling and he fell through the fourth round. And then eventually the Dolphins were able to get him with the fifth round pick. So uh, there's a lot of excitement about Curtis Weaver. So I was, I was excited to look at the tape on him. And here's what I saw. First impression of him was just that it's weird to see a guy with his body essentially play in a two in a two point stance almost at all times uh which he did in 2019 basically playing in a, as a stand up outside linebacker primarily in a uh in an edge rushing role but almost exclusively in the two point stance and not putting his hand in the dirt so it's just weird to see it because he's at his size, uh, roughly 6'3", 265, and not really this uh, lean muscle mass guy, kind of has a little bit of flab to him. He looks like a defensive end, but he's out there playing what is essentially an, a 3-4 outside linebacker position, and it just looked weird to me. So as far as watching him play, his positives his his hands the way this guy uses his hands is exceptional his ability to jab his defenders and manipulate them one way or another with his hands and his his movement his his ability to rip and shred block or rip and shed blockers it, it's elite and he shows the unlike strobridge this guy shows a well-polished toolbox of of pass rushing moves and maneuvers, which is exciting to see because he's not a guy that just kills you with his explosiveness or his athleticism. But that said, he he's deceptive. He he does have a deceptively fast first step. He doesn't look very explosive and he doesn't have this great top line uh, speed or this fast twitch quick twitch ability 
and he doesn't really have that great uh, waist bend that you'll see from from elite pass rushers, but he does have a really quick first step and his ability to to use his hands to jab his uh to jab opposing offensive tackles, get them out off balance, and then use that leverage to go either outside or inside is impressive. He also shows an uncanny ability to slide through gaps, getting inside between blockers. Uh, he's slippery in that way, and he just has an uncanny ability to get to the quarterback which is evidenced by him being the all-time sack leader in the Mountain West Conference. Just uh, a prolific career at Boise State. Now, as far as the negatives, he did play in the Mountain West. So you got to take that into consideration. He did not go up against great offensive lines or great offensive tackles in college. So while he was extremely productive, uh, you still have to have that question as to whether he can be quite as productive in the National Football League against that upper echelon talent. Uh, aside from that, he is a liability in coverage. Uh, when he's in, he was asked to, to cover quite a bit, uh, you know, sometimes in zone blitzes or sometimes just uh, in plays where the, they'll bring the rush from different sides or they'll only rush two or three guys and they'll drop him into coverage. When he's in coverage, he looks like a defensive end in coverage. There's not much else to say. Uh, he's just, he he's not great in space. If he gets lined up in man coverage against Virtually any running back, it's a mismatch. He's not going to be able to cover tight ends. So he's not a guy that I believe if you play him at outside linebacker can have sustained success unless you're only using him from that position as a pass rusher or on rushing downs. One more thing about him is that in spite of his productivity, and he was obviously quite prolific, the most prolific pass rusher in Mountain West Conference history, there are times in the game where he will disappear. And and that's got to be concerning against Mountain West competition, because if he's disappearing for times against that competition, what's he going to do against the better competition? Uh, when you saw him lined up against Washington in their bowl game in the Las Vegas Bowl in his senior year, he had str- long stretches of that game where he was mostly held in check by a better offensive line by the Washington Huskies, a Pac-12 offensive line versus a Mountain West offensive line. So there are definitely question marks there about his level of competition. Overall, I think as a stand-up outside linebacker, he's one-dimensional. I think in that position, he is essentially just a pass rusher. But I do believe he would have had, he would have exceptional athleticism as a defensive end if he learns to play in a three-point stance with his hand in the dirt. If he is able to, I think he could have long-term success in that role. If he's unable to, I think he probably doesn't have any more success than being just a sub-package pass-rushing edge rusher. His fit on this team short-term, I think he's a guy that could play right now as a specialist on obvious passing downs as either uh, an outside linebacker or as a defensive end. He, this is what he does. He, he, he is a ready made pass rusher at any level. And I think he can have success strictly in that role. But if you put him in the role where 
he's got to start at defensive end or he's got to start at offensive linebacker or, or at outside linebacker, I should say, not offensive linebacker, that's not a position, uh, then I think he's going to struggle. Uh, I think that he's going to struggle against you know, great tackles and he's going to struggle to adjust to be anything more than just a pass rusher. I think he's got work to do in that regard of being a more complete player uh, to be more of a factor in the run game. He shows it at times uh, and I think he's got the ability, the strength, the quickness, the agility to be that, but to consistently do it, I I think he's going to need to, I'm first off, we're going to need to see him uh, his ability to play in a three-point stance, see what he looks like in that regard. And we're going to need to see him used in that role to see if he can consistently do it. Because in college, I think he he was mainly just successful as a pass rusher and not so much in other regards. So that's Curtis Weaver. Finally, we're looking at Malcolm Perry, who an interesting guy because... He originally was a running back and a prolific one at Navy. And then in his senior year at Navy, uh, he took the reins over at quarterback, pioneering a triple option offense. And so it's it's kind of unclear where he is because not only did he play quarterback or did, did he play running back and then switch to quarterback, but at the combine, he was listed as a wide receiver. So it's it's very unclear as to where this guy projects to be in the NFL. So I actually, I, I watched his 2009 tape where he was a quarterback. And then I had to go back and I had to see what what's this guy look like as a running back. So I watched more tape on Malcolm Perry than I intended to. Probably more tape on Malcolm Perry than I did anybody not named Tua Tungavailoa and Raekwon Davis. So my first impression of Malcolm Perry was just that I just think the guy is too small. I, he looks like, I mean, he's small for college standards, but in the NFL, I just don't know if this guy will have the build, the size to stand up to NFL competition. He's short. He's skinny. He played at Navy at 5'10", 180. He was listed at 190 at the combine. So that's encouraging. It's encouraging that he's able to put on some muscle mass and potentially he can put on more muscle mass and perhaps in that regard could be uh, more likely to withstand the rigors of an NFL career. Now, as far as positives, incredibly shifty. This guy has some of the best change of direction skill that I that I saw in all of my film study. And honestly, he, he's as good as anybody that I could remember. <laughs> Watching his, his change of direction ability, it, it almost reminded me of, of Peter Warwick from FSU, who used to just terrorize the Miami Hurricanes back in the day in the late 90s when, when I was watching. 
Perry's ability to put his foot in the ground and then just change direction and explode off of it on a dime is absolutely elite. Also, he's extremely tough. Look, he's a small guy, but he will mix it up uh, between the tackles. He's even not afraid to, to be a lead blocker. He showed the ability to be a lead blocker when he played running back for Navy, and he was blocking linebackers that had easily 30, 40, 50 pounds on him, and he did it without fail, just full bore, full steam ahead. Uh, he shows no hesitance in doing that, and you got to love that from a guy. And then finally, as a runner, he showed great great patience and vision. He also showed great decision-making as a quarterback running the triple option, oftentimes making the right decisions as far as when to keep it, when to pitch it, time holding on to that ball until the very last second and making that well-timed late pitch, which is so key to that offense. He was exceptional at it, which was really impressive considering he only had one season as the starter there in Navy with that triple option. The negatives, aside from his size, is that He's quicker than he is fast. Uh, he's incredibly shifty, but he's not going to outrun most NFL linebackers to the edge, and he will get caught from behind on longer runs. Is tough, but will still go down often on first contact. Again, look, the guy's not afraid to mix it up, but he's a smaller back, and so he's not the kind of guy that's going to break a ton of tackles. And his lack of top-end speed and inability to get to the edge, I think, makes him less appealing as even a change-of-pace running back like you know, I was thinking what I was thinking when I was watching the film or before I was watching the film was, you know, maybe this guy is kind of our backup to Matt Breida, who who we traded a fifth round pick for to bring in to be our change of pace back. But when I look at Matt Breida, one of the fastest guys of the NFL, and then I look at uh, Malcolm Perry, while their style of play is similar Matt Breida is just extremely fast and able to get to the edge, and I just don't see that with Malcolm Perry. So I'm not really sold that he can have any kind of sustained success at running back at the next level. So overall, uh, I've got the note that he played quarterback at times early in his career and full-time as a senior. Showed great decision-making running the the triple option at Navy. So he could be used as sort of a zone read slash wildcat option QB in sub packages. Could be very useful in space, potentially as a slot receiver or occasionally as a change of pace back. And finally, where he fits. I do believe that he could challenge to be the sixth uh, receiver on the roster, or he could be the fourth tailback, or he could battle for to be the fourth tailback if you're assuming that Chandler Cox makes the team as the fullback, and then you're assuming that Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and Patrick Laird are your top three running backs. I think he could potentially battle Miles Gaskin, last year's seventh round pick, uh, to potentially be that fourth tailback on the roster if the team decides to keep five running backs and 
they go a different direction at receiver, whether that's Isaiah Ford or somebody else. I do believe he could potentially be a, become a slot receiver that is kind of waiting in the wings. He could be a practice squad guy that specifically fills the role that Albert Wilson is playing on the offense. Albert Wilson, remember, probably in his last year with the Dolphins, uh, that playing out his last year uh, under contract, there's a good chance that he will not be re-signed after the season. Of course, that's not necessarily written in stone, but if they should decide to go another direction and let Albert Wilson go after this season then maybe that's what they see in Malcolm Perry as potentially a guy who can learn to be a slot wide receiver. Again, you get this guy the ball in space and he could be dangerous. Again, he doesn't have that breakaway speed that Albert Wilson has shown, but he does have the requisite shiftiness. So those are my notes on Strobridge, Weaver, and Malcolm Perry. And before I let you go, we've got some Twitter questions. But before I read you those Twitter questions, I might as well tell us where to find us on Twitter. If this is your first time listening and you're not following the show on Twitter, well, welcome aboard. Give us a follow at Same Old Dolphins. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. You could follow Josh, who is my uh, co-host, who is normally steering the ship, but Josh is, uh, you know, got his hands full with a second child and uh, has had all sorts of stuff to do in the offseason, keeping him busy. He will be back uh, if and when uh, we get regular season football or preseason football going again. But until then, it's just me running the show. But he will be back. And so you can follow Josh at Amplified to Rock. You could also follow or you should also be following at Dolphins Talk and at Dolphins Talk Tom, at Dolphins Talk Tom. That's Mike and Tom from DolphinsTalk.com. And again, be sure to visit the page DolphinsTalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So Twitter questions, I... Uh, I put it out there, let you guys know what was coming in this episode, and said, hey, hit me with your questions about Strobridge, Weaver, Perry, anything you want to know at all. Didn't even have to be related to that. And uh, I got a few good questions, and I will answer them now. So first question comes from Melody Mackey at Dolphins Melody. And she says, do you see Weaver used more as a defensive end or as a linebacker? So... You know, I I did touch on this. I do think that short term, we will probably see him used in sub packages as an outside linebacker. I think it's his, it's what he has done so well. It's his natural skill rushing from the stand up position. And with the guys that we've added this offseason, your Emmanuel Ogba, your Shaq Lawson, uh, even a guy like Strobridge, uh, I think that the 4-3 defensive ends, I think there are other guys that are that are better from that position than Curtis Weaver will be this year. However, in obvious passing downs in a three-man front, 
if we decide to go out of a of a three four or even like an amoeba defense where we got two down linemen and and nine guys standing up, I think he's a good fit for that because he's a guy that you can line up on either on either side of the field. You can put him in shallow zone, although I don't think that's his strength. Ultimately, I think he is a he is a pass rushing specialist uh, f- from standing up. So I think. In the short term, I think he'll be used most as uh, a pass rushing outside linebacker. However, I think for him to achieve long-term success, his upside is with his hands in the dirt as a defensive end. So I expect him to work on that and get used in it more and more and more. And eventually, if he has success, I I expect him to almost exclusively be used in in that way, but I also believe that Brian Flores values the uh, the ability to be multiple on defense. So if he can learn to put his hand in the dirt and be effective that way, uh, you know, then that's just more tools in the arsenal uh, and more different ways that he can be used. He could be used as a stand up guy, as an outside linebacker, or as a defensive end. So so if but but long term, I do think his best upside is at defensive end. Dirty Fins at Dirty South 1982 has a question about Malcolm Perry. He says, Perry's best chance to succeed at running back, I'm assuming. So I guess more of an assumption than a question. And again, this is something that I, I briefly touched on in the in the film review, in the scouting report. But I actually don't think that's his best chance to succeed. I just don't think he's got the high-end speed or the size to to really succeed in that role. And because of it, I think that long-term, his probably best uh, chance of having a successful NFL career is probably as a slot receiver. But in the short term, I do think he has value as value kind of in a slash role, kind of like you saw Cordell Stewart used with the Pittsburgh Steelers all that many years ago as a guy that can line up at quarterback, can run some zone read. Perhaps they'll run a little bit of triple option. Perhaps they'll run some wildcat. He could be an intriguing wildcat candidate because of his ability, not just to run, but also to throw. I think that he's a guy that will be used in that role this off or this season especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback because you, you take Ryan Fitz you could take Ryan Fitzpatrick out of the game on short yardage plays and you can bring in a rushing quarterback heck even if Tua Tagovailoa gets in there I don't know that you necessarily even though I I think Tua could effectively run a lot of zone read, you might not want Tua running a lot of zone read with his injury history. So uh, I think this is a a guy that could be on the roster, I don't think as a third quarterback, but if he makes the roster as a fifth or sixth running back or as a sixth receiver, as a specialist guy, uh, they can make him active and he could have a role in sub packages as somebody that defenses have to account for that they have to to watch film on he could be kind of a gadget play guy for this team final question comes to us from me at three kids are a blessy what did and this is a lot <laughs> what did you see in the weaver tape 
to answer why he fell as far as he did in the draft despite his production in college? And is there an NFL comp for Curtis Weaver? Does anyone come to your mind that Curtis Weaver reminds you of because I'm not that big of a college football fan? Thanks. So, as far as why he fell, I think it's twofold. I think, number one, he he just doesn't have an NFL... He doesn't have a linebacker body. He has a defensive end body, but he played linebacker. And he doesn't seem to be in the best conditioning. And it did seem that his productivity kind of waned towards the end of the season, which which could bring up questions about his conditioning. So he may have fallen because of that. He may have fallen because... They're simply because he's just not the teams simply don't have a role for him because is he because as a linebacker, he seems slow. And as a defensive end, well, we haven't seen him play with his his hand in the dirt and he's not this super explosive guy with this great waistband. So it it seems to me like there's a, a lot of questions about his ability to match his college productivity in the NFL as far as whether he is athletic enough. And I think that that is a big reason why he dropped. And also I think just him being a bit or being perceived as a bit of a one dimensional guy. I think that can turn some, some people off. Now, obviously in today's NFL where pass rush should be at a premium, I was surprised that he fell this far. I still think even if this guy is just a pass rushing specialist that plays 20 to 25 snaps a game. I mean, if he plays 20 to 25 snaps a game and gets you, you know, a couple of pressures, gets seven, eight sacks over the course of the season. I mean, this guy's a hell of a contributor, even, even, even if, if, even if he's one dimensional. And to me, that's, that's a steal getting him as late as he is. Uh, as far as, does, uh, as far as NFL comps, I struggled. I was racking my brain trying to come up with who he could potentially remind me of. I mean, some names came to mind. A name that came to mind was Kevin Green. The the standout. I think he's a, a Hall of Fame edge rusher from the, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Certainly a Pittsburgh Steelers ring of honor edge rusher. But I don't know if he necessarily has that upside. I think it's obviously unfair to expect that kind of upside from him, but strictly from a body type and play style, I could kind of make that comp. Other comps that I read were Frank Clark and Derek Barnett. Personally, the Frank Clark one, I didn't really see it. I think Frank Clark has far greater athleticism and and flexibility as a pass rusher. I don't really see that from Curtis Weaver. I thought the Derek Barnett one was interesting, but I thought the Derek Barnett flashed more athleticism as well. However, I thought that Curtis Weaver has more pass rushing uh, moves, a, a more polished pass rusher than Derek Barnett, the defensive end uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, who was a first round pick just a few years ago out of the University of Tennessee. So you're welcome in response to the thank you. Uh, so that's what I got. 
And that concludes my film study on the Miami Dolphins draft pick. So I'm, I'm kind of at a loss as to where to go from here. Um, I've got a couple of ideas, uh, for future shows. Should I go back and now start watching film on the free agents that we got in? Should I watch Byron Jones film, Manuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, Eric Flowers, Kyle Van Noy tape? Should I look more deeply into the undrafted rookies, uh, rookie free agents that we brought in? Um, should I, should I do what a couple of other podcasts are doing, which are going back and looking at games from last season and other classic Dolphins games? Let me know. I want to know what you want to hear in this slow time. July, as we all know, probably the slowest month of the NFL calendar, June and July, uh, as we, as we wait for training camp and preseason to begin. And hopefully it will, you know, virus permitting it will it will be able to start on time and we can get back to watching some actual football and in that case just let me know what you want to hear tweet at Aaron the brain uh, what you want to hear in future episodes coming up and I will do my best to appease the most of you so until next time I am Aaron the brain and for amplified to rock go Dolphin Miami's got a dolphin. The greatest of all teams, we take the ball from